Greetings, my friends. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer broadcasting live from CrossFit FSI under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. I'm joined today by my co-hosts Carson Kemp and Mary Francis as we speak with Craig Rento. Craig owns 5150 Sports Performance here in the Phoenix area and has been coaching Carson here in weightlifting for a couple of years now. Craig holds a Bachelor of Science in Exercise and Wellness from ASU. He's USAW and CrossFit certified. He's got 12 years in chiropractic and sports medicine as well as 11 years on the platform in the weightlifting world and he is a self-described all-around nerd. This is a conversation that we really enjoyed. We bounced around quite a bit and spent a couple of hours with Craig just picking his brain. He has such great knowledge to offer. With that said, bear in mind the recording conditions were not the greatest during this episode. We're recording under air traffic and did our best to keep that noise to a minimum. However, You will hear some defects in the recording. Don't let that distract you from the information as it's fantastic. And I invite you to join us now into the conversation already in progress. And uh, turns out weighing 88 pounds is (laughs) a solid body weight to play football. I was more than double your size. Pounds. Really? (laughs) And uh, I mean, you put the, the helmet on and it's too big i could turn my head right and the helmet would go left you were a bobblehead uh, it was basically. just like <laughs> no good and i just went home and i was like dad this effing sucks <laughs> and he's like well you can't quit but you don't have to play again so i was like all right and i actually learned a lot about myself i hate team sports um, <laughs> absolutely. i think it's okay though i think that's an okay thing absolutely despise them they it just leaves room for false platitudes and uh, pointing blame and you know even sharing a victory I'm a selfish athlete like if I win that's my medal that's my trophy that's my victory nobody else can take that away from me except for sharing it with my coach who helped me then get there um, but also I want to eat my losses that's on me no excuses I mean I've been to competitions that where people are like yeah you know what training was going really well and I got hurt and blah 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 well, this is competition day. You should have taken care of yourself up until this That's point right. Absolutely. for this one day. Excuse me, bad guys. Stop shooting. I'm not really feeling 100% right now. Well, I mean, that's you just said plainly, like, everyone wins a participation trophy on a team sport, especially nowadays. And then there's the victim mentality. Like, something happened to me before we trained, and that's why I didn't perform. It wasn't, there was no taking any responsibility. I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, and that, I'm all about that. Like, if... If I don't do well, that's on me. I need to rethink my training. Where did I go wrong? Was it just that day my mental energy was off or whatever? But even like coming to participation trophies, I've been in situations where they're like, you're on a wrestling mat and you're staring at this guy and you know he's a state champion and your only goal is to not get pinned and you don't get pinned, that's a fucking victory. Yeah, for sure. Do you get a trophy? No, but you participated for that and you worked on that. So I guess the definition of participation trophy can go either way. Very yeah. broad. Yeah. But like I didn't just show up, I still busted my ass. I didn't get pinned. I kept that team from getting the six points. That's right. That mm-hmm. could have put them up. And instead they only got three for winning by points. So yeah. there's little things like that or going to a national championship and hitting your own personal records but you're still fourteenth place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are small victories that people lessons can win. too yeah. in, in losses. I think though weightlifting though, like that's the thing about weightlifting we were talking about last week. You know, putting a kilo or two on your lift is a huge deal. 
Yeah, especially you as you get to that upper the latter tiers, years. Yeah, you're going to work all year for two. Yeah, years. and obviously determined determined by your training age, that could be a huge deal. Yes. Right. Um, and then after wrestling, I took some time off, started working. I actually worked for a sports medicine chiropractic named, chiropractor named Dr. Craig Gelfound. He was an all-American javelin thrower for the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran into him one day working at 24 Hour Fitness, and I was like, oh, how are you doing? He was he had done my physicals, and he had worked on my dad. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to work to squat 500 pounds. And I was like, you're fucking lying. Because, from a javelin thrower? Yeah, from this javelin thrower. He was working out. He's a, you know, at that time, he's probably like 34 years old, but... He's like, yeah, I'm trying to get back to squatting 500 pounds. And in my head, I'm like, you're a fucking liar because nobody can squat 500 pounds. Um, truth be told, people squat way fucking more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I know, right? <laughs> what the hell? Way more. He was actually one of the first people that introduced me to what it is to be strong. So during that time, I was doing like muscle and fitness magazine workouts, like just trying to get that sit pump bra. Or that string Duh, tank, yeah. you know. That string tank. And he said, he said, do you want to be strong or do you want to look strong? That's right. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. What did you say to me? And I was like, I, I want to be strong. Like, I'm in here to trying to get strong. Like, that's what I want. And he's like, well, then you're training wrong. And that's what kind of sparked me into wanting to learn more about exercise training and what does it take to train and then I had no idea about sport training because when I wrestled we ran five miles every day yeah and then we wrestled there was no lifting there was no anything you you know you just wrestled and you ran all the miles (laughs) we ran more than the soccer team moved out here to go to school for exercise science kinesiology at that time ASU had one of the top five programs in the country Uh, by the time I actually got there they had blended programs of exercise science with nursing and they created a school called that's the College why you're of Nursing and Health Innovation <laughs> and uh, their main product was anti-diabetes anti-high blood pressure maybe anti is not the word but counteract yeah. diabetes counteract high blood pressure chronic Reactive diseases medicine, basically. well more on actually a proactive medicine like if mm. people can do this they will have less of this and right. if you get somebody with high blood pressure right. get them exercising a little lower Blah blah blah. Rather than the medication stuff like that. Initiative. So, but that didn't really didn't pique my interest. I got a better education at Mesa Community College from the exercise science program there than I did at ASU. And even working with my uh, coach Joe Machella, who studies the sport, he's been all around the world, and we would talk about theories and fundamentals and then what actually is happening in practice inside the gyms where is this research coming from the research is coming from the gym and they're seeing these actions happen they're like well, why is it happening then they study it so by the time you hear the research right. it's already been done for 10 years somebody's already doing it like you're not reinventing the wheel so, so you mentioned your coach at Mesa Community College or and my teacher at Mesa Community teacher. College and then my coach uh, from Performance One his name is Joe Machella. So combination of him and then uh, the professor that I had at MCC, his name is Jeff Messer, probably the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Um, just like the back of his hand. And if he doesn't know, he's one of those people that goes, I will find I'm out. For yeah. you. He won't make anything up. He won't just be like, well, yeah. you know, no conjectures. Like this guy's by the book. This is what the facts say. This is what the research says. Boom. 
you know, and he was actually a really high-level cross-country coach. He was a runner. Um, so I think he they won the state champion when he was at Xavier mm-hmm. um, every year that he was there. Yeah. You know, well, for the I bet. Part. And so, you know, taking that kind of learning and then applying it to this. <clears throat> in that meantime, of going to school and stuff, I worked in chiropractic. I actually got a job with that uh, sports medicine chiro who allowed me to come in there and learn. And when I had questions, I'd be like, hey, what is this? And he'd be like, Here, here's a book. It's in there. Find it learn it you know know what it is and so that's when I started learning more about like rehab structure or exercise selection um and saying like okay your shoulder hurts this is your activity that you want to get my rehab has to gear towards getting you back here mm-hmm. having you do bird dog and stuff isn't necessarily going to get you back to doing what you're doing we have to find a way to get you stable so that way you can get back to the activity that you're doing whether it's Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit, track and field, whatever it is, your rehab has to be geared around that. And again, another thing from that guy um, was just because something's difficult doesn't mean there's a benefit. And Mm -hmm. so you can start to simplify training and start to be more um, optimal. I use that a lot with people when they come in and I say like, all right, Carson's a coach and Jason, you came in and you're like, oh, I went and talked to Carson. He said he can get me to back squat double way up body weight in eight weeks. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Has he seen you lift? Well, no, but he's got a program for me. We actually had this conversation. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, well, that's cool. Let me see you lift. And I see you lift and your ankles are really, really freaking tight. Your hips are tight. You can't hold your thoracic spine into position. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to take 12 to 14 weeks. Now, these aren't actual numbers or whatever, of course, yeah. but these are just analogies. He may get you there in four or five weeks, but you are going to be dead. And the longevity of that actual strength right. is not going to last. And then what happens then after? What happens after you squat double body weight? Sure. Are you going to be able to continue on to two and a half or three times body weight? Will you have learned enough? Will your movement patterns be right? Will your nervous system learn how to fire appropriately to then be able to continue on past that threshold? Right. So when I coach, we'll start from the basics. Like even if you squat it before, you're like, yeah, my best back squat's 315. I'm like, we'll see. You know. <laughs> the famous we'll see. Show me. Let's squat. No, show me. <laughs> Let's go through a whole workout and then squat. Mm-hmm. Is that under fatigue? Is that is that strength there? Can you maintain posture? Can you maintain position? Are you you know fatiguing too fast? And like the way I look at conditioning is how many times can you take ninety percent? I don't think of conditioning in terms of all right, how fast can you run a mile? How many times can you take ninety percent in the back squat? It's almost like a CP battery test kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we just kind of take you from there. It's optimization. So if I know, like, you want to eventually compete, he's going to get you to squat, you know, your double body weight in whatever I said, eight weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you it's going to take 16, but you eventually want to compete. I might even stretch that out a little longer because we're we're going to look at a, a longer window. Like I had a guy that came in and he wanted to compete at the CrossFit Games. That was his all time goal. I said, okay. It's going to take three years at minimum for you to make it to a regionals. And he said, why? I said, you've never played any sport oh, man. ever He came in, in just fresh. Life. He had done CrossFit for two or three years. months. Yeah. Kind of um, learned from CrossFit. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, the first year or two, 
it's going to be a lot of skill acquisition. Mm. You're going to learn how to snatch appropriately. You're going to have to learn how to clean appropriately. You're going to have to learn how to squat appropriately. You're also going to learn how to navigate loads mm. and how to brace. And you're going to learn about how to do a proper Valsalva maneuver. You're going to learn all these things. You're, then you're going to have to learn footwork. And then you're going to have to learn conditioning. You're going to have to get stronger laterally, even though CrossFit is in a unilateral plane where it's straight up and down or so forward and back. It's not side to side. But sure. what happens if that one time you do you have cut. to cut or you do have to do something like that? Mm-hmm. We need to make you as athletic as possible before we start to specify. Certainly. And we look at this wrestling or high school sports. Your senior year is where you really leave your mark. Your first two years is all de- are, they're all de- developmental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, with trophy kids, that developmental age is starting a lot younger. But what happens is when you specify at a young age, you run the risk of burnout, overuse injuries, injuries. Yeah. Yeah, overuse injuries, especially in young baseball players. Well, I, any sport now, I mean, I'm seeing, no I'm seeing so much of this stuff. Like, uh, I, I see it in my, my uh, Matt, uh, Matt uh, Shell. Kid, he's on his two traveling soccer leagues. He's on the he's on his uh, high school league. The kid literally goes for like eleven months. Yeah. Without a break. Without a break. So that's a, a mental burnout too. He's a, a he now he's now he's freshman in college, right but he when he came to me he was sixteen years old. Okay. And I I'm like you you have to stop. You've never done anything. And he was like, well, but I that's what I do. I play soccer all the time. Yeah. They don't they don't understand. And then when he come in here, he would gain ridiculous quantities of strength. And then he, yeah, right. And yeah. I mean, he was ridiculous. It was ridiculous, and and then I'd have to slow him down because he literally would gain too fast, mm-hmm. right? Because high school kids, and we only need to get give, we only get you five percent better every couple months. Like you're a beast after four years. Yeah. But a person that's coming in that's older, they think that like they think that they're young again. Can just yeah. train and train and train that's, and make yeah. the CrossFit games. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I'm going to be ready for the CrossFit games. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of goes to like, you know, people think they're in a CrossFit class mm-hmm. one hour a day. Like that's going to do it. You know, when you're an athlete, your training starts when you leave in, in a way you have to eat properly, sleep well, recover. Mm-hmm. You have to recover just as hard as you are with your, your, your training. Yeah. You that know. concept is lost on CrossFitters. Oh my entirely. god! I, I think it's a loss with a lot of people. I think, it, I think you see a lot of that every when sport, you're uh, every dealing sport. with their higher level weightlifting athletes. There are a lot of higher uh, and weightlifting athletes that want you to do it for them. And how could they possibly? By that, that I mean you? like my shoulder hurts. Okay, roll it out. Well, can't you just massage it out for me? Oh, I see. <laughs> can you do this? I need somebody Dude. to make my meals. It's too hard for me to get my meals in. You shut up. That's it's just like <laughs> no, make your food, you know. Yeah. You need to eat. Well, even with a meal service, like if you're a, a competitive athlete, three, four meals a day isn't, isn't enough. What about your protein, your creatine, your glutamine, your vitamin C, your you know, other glucosamine and chondrite, all your supplements that you have to take. You know, and then foam rolling, like I can't come foam roll you. You know, well, people, especially as an athlete, like you don't necessarily have ninety minutes a day. To get worked on, plus the fatigue from it, you're not going to be able to perform the next one. But you can take, you know, 10-minute bouts at foam rolling out your legs and stretching. You don't have to go full 90-minute Bikram yoga to recover. (laughs) You just need to do something. Mm -hmm. But I told one athlete the other day, he was asking me, like, well, what do you do for recovery? Because, you know, you get a couple minutes after a class, right? They have five to ten minutes. Classes done early or whatever. I was like, for every hour I work out, I try to I try to recover for thirty minutes. 
whether it's a walk outside, foam whether rolling, it's foam rolling, whether it's just me work. Yeah, we, we work on movement. Sometimes I'll just grab a barbell and just go through my warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I haven't, like, I was talking to you, I haven't snatched and you were like, why am I, you were like, why are you so fast? I, I still do, I still go through clean and jerk snatch, even though I'm not necessarily snatching heavy or yeah. clean and jerking heavy. I just go through it just to do those movements. and To get go, the blood flow. Right. And you do this 30 minutes a day, but... Yeah. And, and I live in a gym, so it's, it's easy for me to do. I was do. just going to say, that's an easy mentality for us to pick up because we do it every day. We eat, sleep, breathe it. For the average, I mean, getting people to stay even 10 minutes after a freaking workout is <laughs> like pulling my hair out. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Mary. I'm like, you just stopped. The clock just stopped. Yeah. Your heart rate's up. Your blood pressure's up. That's you're not nice going to You're not going to move a little bit after that to bring that down? Like... You can't just get in your car. What if you had a heart attack? Like, there's so much bigger things than just feeling sore the next day where you need to cool down, and it's just lost on people. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother yeah, topic. Yeah, right. We, about, we can get into that sure. forever. We can talk for hours on recovery and stuff. Um, but, you know, so I was working in that sports medicine chiropractic, and that taught me about simplification and optimization. And then when I moved out here to go to school, I started I was going to try to work out on my own. I was doing judo at the time. Mm-hmm. And every place I called was like, yeah, we do it as part of my training for MMA. I was like, yeah, bro, I don't want to get hit in the face. Like, I'm ugly enough as it is. <laughs> if you start dabbing me in the face, like, need help in that it department. sucks getting I'm hit I'm funny, in the face. but funny doesn't bring a girl from across the bar to check me out. You know what I mean? Like, she's not going to know I'm funny until she's talking to me. So I had to at least get a little you something. Be less repellent. Than yeah. Than, yeah, for sure. You know, um, so I started kind of looking into Olympic weightlifting because I was already introduced to it beforehand Mm -hmm. um, because uh, that chiropractor that I was working for as a javelin thrower, they were actually one of the strongest teams at U of A because they had this lady who is, I believe she's from Ireland. Her name is Meg Ritchie, now Meg Stone, who's married to Dr. Mike Stone, Mm -hmm. who is probably one of the leading strength and conditioning researchers around. she was their their throws coach, and she made them lift, and she they would power snatch. That's awesome, you know. <clears throat> and at that time, I remember I was like, "Well, that was probably pretty foreign to that. I mean, I'm to that sure. world. I mean, now, I mean, you you probably now we probably have a lot of uh, college teams that are doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. So, but, but, yeah. but your specific introduction to Olympic weightlifting came through your connection to the javelin thrower. So yeah, he introduced me to the sport, and I was just blown away. I was like, what? fuck are they doing you know watching Shane Hammond who was like 5'8 150 kilos 330 pounds you know snatched 200 kilos Mm -hmm. you know he squatted a thousand pounds as a power lifter he dunked uh, I believe he did dunk a basketball he's like the heaviest person to dunk a basketball he can do a backflip he is just athletic as all hell how much does he weigh 5'8 like 150 kilos you know something like that you know so it's like it's 300 awesome. plus pounds. For you know, Mark, uh, a lot of people don't know Mark Henry as the weightlifter. They know him as sexual chocolate from WWE. Yeah, Mark He was an Olympic weightlifter. <laughs> yeah. He competed in the 96 Atlanta Olympic Games. Cool. And he was that a powerlifter cool. before. And him and Shane Hamm were both in there squat thousands of pounds on a regular Jeez. basis. You know, they got to the point where they didn't need to squat as much mm-hmm. because they had so much. And their coach, Dragon Mr. Rosalind, at the time, who was a foreign coach, like really tried to work on right. their technique. And they were kind of those guys that also, that kind of load on their body, you know, it takes a lot. Training a heavyweight is way different than training a lightweight. The loads and the volume and stuff like that you have to take into consideration. So, so what was it about the actual act of Olympic lifting that you fell in love with and decided this is the route you wanted to go because now you're... It's you versus you. You're having your gym, right? 
It's you versus you. Mm. There's nobody. So getting back to your original hatred of team sports, I, I yeah. just despise team sports. I mean, it's just one of those things. But it's you and a barbell. There's no opponent. There's no mistakes. That barbell doesn't make a mistake. It's 100 kilos today. It's 100 kilos tomorrow. It's 100 kilos next Wednesday. It's 100 kilos February 27, 2020. It's going to be 100 kilos. You you have to do it. Um, the challenge of it. Now I kind of picked it up relatively quickly because I'm a learning athlete. So I can see it, I learn it, and then I can start to do it. I've never been like this athlete that's like phenomenal. And unfortunately, that's the case. But I've always been above average, you know, whether it was in judo or, you know, weightlifting. Like I took to it and I really pushed myself as hard as I could to get to those those limits. You know, one thing my judo coach used to always say is like, don't tap out. I'm like, what? And he's like, you got to know how long you can go before you get choked. I mean, before you know it, you're you know <laughs> laying down. Find out what find what, out. what happened? Yeah. I found it. I found it. So you know you, to know your limits, you have to reach them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going into weightlifting, I, I just love the aspect of being strong, mm-hmm. you know, and being explosive and being an athlete. I tried just working out at LA Fitness or Twenty Four Hour Fitness at the time. It was boring. I couldn't just stand there and like look at my biceps sculpting like that doesn't appeal. we're back to bicep curls guys yes. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't appeal to me in terms of progress and even in then when does it end sure when does it end you, now you got body dysmorphia you have all kinds of other issues so let's get a real tangible outcome lift this much weight and you win mm-hmm. versus bodybuilding competitions it's it's all subjective, right? It's all yeah. Yeah. As far I as liked his tan and his lines looked really good. And some guys like, no, you know, he looked a little flabby around the midsection. You know, it's to me that didn't pull me in. Right, and you so know? you so you took that sort of, I guess, challenge of yourself against the barbell, and now here you are running your own spot at fifty one fifty. Mm-hmm. Right. So first, tell us where that name came from. I think I have an idea. So fifty one fifty. Uh, there's a couple reasons like when I was first trying to think of a name like naming your business is probably one of the most I'll name my kid faster than I name my business <laughs> seriously <laughs> I totally agree uh, uh, I re- we had because coming, coming up with the name you one. want it to be relatable right. you want it to be recognizable mm-hmm. I mean I was first thinking about like Greek and I was like I don't want to be one of those Alpha Omega Delta Kappa Danas whatever's gyms like that's just too cliche sure. um, and so I started thinking it back and I'm like well one day it just kind of came to me and I said 5150. 5150 is police code for a mandatory 72-hour psych hold. Um, so to <laughs> train past the point of sanity. That's what I want from athletes. Um, and even if you, if you even do the math, it's, it's over 100%. Mm-hmm. So kind of thinking about that too, that aspect. Give more than 100%. If you're doing your 100%, do somebody else's that's better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want that to go into my mission statement of train to the point where people go, you're insane. But that doesn't, again, go back to mean you just do crazy things because it's the point of doing crazy things. Mm -hmm. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean there's a benefit, but you got to push past your thresholds. And so that's kind of where that name came from was this. I figured as much, man. We were talking on the phone the other day, kind of doing a little pre-interview. Uh, we jumped into this mindset piece, and I sort of picked that up from you. Yeah. So maybe you could take us into a little bit of your um, technique 
that you work with your athletes mm-hmm. and walk us through some of the things that you're looking for and how you classify athletes? So, um, first thing is, you know, somebody comes in there and they're like, okay, I'd like to do uh, Olympic weightlifting. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to go through a motivational interview. Why? Why do you want to learn this? So I'm going to get something out of that. So whatever your reason is, I'm going to take that, that bit of information and I'm going to find your motivation. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to find out, you know, what is your background? Where did you come from? You know, if you're a high school student, you know, I know you're a high school student. You played sports or whatever. Okay. You are my clay to (laughs) mold into the person that you can become. Um, Then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about like daily activities, whatever their habits are, just to try to find out who they really are. Um, And then we'll go through like a a movement screening, you know, and it's not like the, what is it, NASM functional movement screen where you're like hopping over a, yeah, hopping over a hurdle, doing an inline lunge, a a close grip overhead squat. No, I'm going to start to take you through, we'll go through a warm up, we'll go through a general warm up, which is something easy, like ride the bike for five minutes. Then we'll go through a movement slash uh, dynamic warm-up so you might do like a single leg sit down or a single leg stand up or something from the bench to watch to see if there's any dysfunction in the hip um, I'll do some shoulder flexibility stuff maybe it's an internal or an external rotation exercise with uh, dumbbells on a bench uh, we'll do some general squats and some lateral movements and then we will I usually always say change your shoes out mm-hmm. okay go from your tennis shoes to your work boots your weightlifting shoes I always call boots those are your work, work boots, boots, okay? Like that. That's when you go to work, okay? So I'll say, all right, let's change your shoes out. Most people that come in, they don't have their own shoes. Luckily for you, I have a nice set of bowling shoes above my lockers, <laughs> which are, are old weightlifting shoes that people have then donated. So sure. you get to put those bad Larrys on, come on over to the platform. Mm. You told me you've snatched before. I say, we'll see. Let me grab you a PVC pipe. I don't care where you're at. Now, unless I know you or I've seen you, whatever for the most part I'm like alright let's go through the progressions now every coach has their progressions and a lot of people have very similar progressions the the meat is what lies between right. if I tell you to do a press and then an overhead squat what I tell you for those movements the cues or what I'm looking for in those could be different from another person or another coach like you may go to a coach and he'll give you my exact verbatim snatch progressions you will not get the same thing that you get from me when we go through that. And that's what makes me who I am, my old coach, the way he is, which I learned a lot from him, you know. Mm-hmm. Other coaches, what they're looking for. So I may be like, hey, contract in this position on your back or relax here or whatever it is. So then we'll <clears throat> go through the snatch progressions. Usually the first day, we'll go through most of the overhead progressions because most people fatigue by then. Mm-hmm. That then going through the pulling progressions might be a little off. Now, are you always starting with snatch when you're doing this? So eval? I always to teach I teach the snatch and the jerk. The snatch and the jerk first. Okay. The snatch and the jerk are the most explosive and they are also the most technical. You can be a big, strong idiot and do cleans. Check out football rooms around the country. Yeah. You will not see them doing jerks or, or snatches. If you're if you're lucky you will but for the most part you won't because they take so much to learn sure so i start with the snatch and the jerk first because they are the most technical they also require more flexibility we will do like some of the clean progressions like i'm going to have you front squat well before you clean so 
Yeah. You'll already kind of have that ingrained. And then you'll already kind of learned how to pull from doing the snatches. All you have to do is move your hands, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the turnover, you should learn that by the snatch. So a little bit of that, um, well, self-efficacy, right? Taking one skill that you're good at and applying it to something else. So we take the skill of learning how to snatch and then we just tweak it a little bit and now you can clean. It's like going from tennis to racquetball, Mm -hmm. you know, very similar, but different rules, you know, so... I spend usually, depending on the age of the person, where they're at, what they're looking for, their training age, their actual level of athleticism, and then depending on you know how fast they actually can progress, we usually spend at least six weeks going over progressions. Now in that time, you might actually snatch and stuff like that, but we're not looking for loads. We're not it looking takes to... that long though, I feel like. I mean, even when, yeah. I, started, when I started with you, like, and I, like, I, th- I think, like, the, my best snatch when I first met you was, like, 185 pounds or something like that. And you were like, no. I, I don't think I, I don't think we did over 75 pounds for probably six weeks. Yeah. At first. Yeah. But it, but it took that. And, and But the, the workouts were still very, very challenging, even though we were only, you know, maybe we'd go to 60 kilo, but yeah, very rarely. And that's, that's a very important aspect, like, what Carson just said, like Carson was squatting over 400 pounds at that time. He deadlifted well over five. Yeah. And we're working with 135 or 60 kilos. He wear me out. And the reason being is he had such a high strength reserve that we needed to start to bring those lifts up technically and efficiently so that way he can uh, eventually hopefully reach that potential of a strength reserve. I remember he... Yeah. I was just going to ask, did you find it more difficult to have him unlearn what he thought he knew versus working with a newer athlete? So, yeah, it's always easier to start with a blank canvas, yeah. right? Um, there's no eraser marks. There's no, if you're thinking of a drawing, and that's kind of how I think of people. People. It's like either I have a blank canvas or I have to go through it then eraser first. Um, and then depending on the person, if their mindset is there, they're ready to learn. Mm-hmm they're going to be more receptive to the changes. It might take a little while, but they're going to be more receptive versus a person going, I already know how to do this. And they've already put it out of their mind. Yeah, for sure. And they're just they're just looking for me to increase their snatch. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't buy a heavier snatch. That's right. I'm sorry. It's like a good golf. Whether you do one-on-one or you do group training, hopefully as a coach, and this goes to all, to all the coaches, like – don't rob people of their money telling them one-on-ones are going to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not giving them the same quality of care in a group, you're not going to give them the same quality of care uh, in the one-on-one. So it's not gonna, I mean, it's not going to just all of a sudden increase your snatch because we have one-on-one. One, you're going to get bored mm-hmm. looking at my face for an hour and a half, two hours, and there's nobody else there. And I'm going to get bored as a coach because, or frustrated because I have nothing to look away from. Right. You know, so I, as a coach, sometimes you need that fresh mind. Watch somebody do something really well or move on to somebody else and then come back and be like, listen, you're still doing the same thing. Watch this athlete. See what they're doing. You know, watch. See what you're doing. Or I'll take video of them. Video. Look, this is where it's happening. That helped me probably you know, the most, video? I think. No, well, just seeing another athlete move, right? Like I'd watch, I'd watch him do something. Um and because everyone learns differently, right? And like being a yeah. good coach and being a good Olympic lifting coach or being a good any kind of coach, you have to you have to see. He noticed very quickly that 
I had to see someone else do it. If I saw someone else do it, I could mimic it. Yeah, for sure. And then some. I, I remember watch. I remember watching. I'm trying. Remember, I'm trying to remember who it was, at the gym, and they were lifting, and you just said something, and just it. Did, it was it just finally clicked. They, it just clicked in their head, right? And they didn't see anybody do it. They it just clicked in their head. It finally whatever it was, right? And it, it, some athletes are like that, but I have to like. I literally have to like watch somebody. <laughs> like, well, I find that a lot too. Um, just in general. If I say the same thing, if people have me day after yeah. day after day, and the way I cue is different than the way you cue, if they watch somebody else do it, it's like, see, that person did exactly what I wanted. See them. It does. There's a yeah. light bulb that goes off. So It's nice about Craig, too. He's not very um, shy when he <laughs> likes something. Oh. And when he does like it, he just doesn't look at you, and he walks away, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so he's more vocal he doesn't when yell. something wrong. Oh, oh for sure. We do it right, and he just walks away and just... He's like, go rest. A lot of times, a lot of times, if I walk away, it's it's been too fucking long that you've been doing it wrong. (laughs) I'm over your shit. (laughs) It's just like, it's it's just one of those things where you're like, what finally, what finally clicked? Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, like people have you day after day, and you're saying the same thing. I'm actually phenomenal with analogies, and I can find different ways to say things the same way, the same thing. You know, a perfect example is one day I was at my old gym. And there's this girl doing jerks. And my coach says, wedge. Wedge under the bar. So, you know, wedge, wedge. And I was like, push yourself under the bar. And she was like, oh, I get okay. It. So instead of trying to drive the bar as far as you can above your head in the jerk, mm-hmm. once it gets to your nose, push yourself down. Mm-hmm. That's what wedge means. But that clicked for her when, you said, when I said, push yourself under yeah. the bar. So I try to... I took that experience and I was like, all right, try to find different ways to say things, even though you're saying the same thing over and over again, you know, but then you get people that are too literal and I'll be like, don't sit back on your heels. And then they're just, their heels are hovering off the ground. I'm like, get off your toes. Well, then I'm on my heels. No, you want to be middle (laughs) foot, middle foot, you don't know what you want, you know, so it's kind of one of those things, but. Yeah, so we'll take our time going through progressions until it's right. If you can't move well with an empty barbell, mm-hmm. or you can't handle a whole training with an empty barbell, then you're not, you're not ready for low. Yeah. But after the snatch and after we go, or after those progressions, I'm going to work you pretty hard. We're going to squat a lot because that's your strength. Snatch and clean and jerk are demonstrations of power. When it comes to Olympic weightlifting as a sport, that is your practice. Imagine if you're a football player, that's your running routes. Mm-hmm. Your squats, your deadlifts, your presses, your pulls, your push presses, your bodybuilding, your pull-ups, whatever. That's your strength and conditioning training. Mm-hmm. Snatch and clean jerk is practice. You know, I see this a lot movement. in the CrossFit gyms I, I've traveled to when people are doing Olympic lifts you know, or skills training. I'll see people try to stack a really heavy snatch or a really heavy jerk on top of a really shitty squat. And so hearing you sort of break it out like that, it makes a lot of sense. People need to understand that that's the foundation that's going to support anything over your head. Right. I mean, and that's the fundamental, that's one of my big coaching things that I tell people that the weight on the bar for the Sancho Cleaner doesn't matter. Do it right. Do it right. Your lift should look the exact same from the barbell to maximum. A PVC plate. And the maximum should be like, holy shit, how did they miss that? Mm-hmm. Okay, and unless you like completely lost your mental acuity during yeah. that time, and you're just like, I gotta try to do this. Well, obviously you weren't trying to snatch it; 
you're trying to get the bar over your head. There's a big difference yeah. between yeah. snatching it and doing a ground to overhead. Sure. Okay. Most people in CrossFits don't do snatches. They do ground to overheads. I Agreed. have seen very few snatches inside CrossFit gyms, and that's no real knock, but let's stop calling it a snatch unless it's a snatch. There are coaches out there that do take that time that say, hey, this is how it should be done. But then, like, you watch the wad and it's a muscle snatch with a knee bend. Like, that's not a snatch. That's a ground to overhead. Mm-hmm. You know, a snatch is a snatch is a snatch no matter what. So are you coming from the weightlifting world when you're looking at that? Are you looking that at, at that as, like, a purist saying this is what it should be? Or are you seeing any validity in what's happening in those gyms? No. I mean, the movements are what they are, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. As a purist, like a snatch to me, as a purist should be done for increasing power output as a purist. Like they shouldn't be a conditioning tool. Right. You know, you shouldn't be doing 30 reps of snatch to try to get your conditioning. You should be conditioned to do 30 reps of snatch. Does that make sense? It I does. Mean, and so so break that down for me a little bit. What would that look like in terms of if you were conditioning someone to do 30 reps, what would that look like? So... If we're looking at a, a CrossFitter, so I'm actually coaching a girl right now that came to me to want to CrossFit and do well in this year's Open, and she's potentially looking to make a Masters Regionals at some point. Uh, we spent, she started with me in August. We just started CrossFit training uh, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. During that time, we learned skills. We learned how to snatch. We learned how to clean and jerk. We learned how to lift heavy. Not to say that we didn't do any conditioning, but it was like once a week we'd get on the bike and we'd do, you know, uh, intervals or something like that to build up that lactate threshold. Mm -hmm. Um, Lactate threshold, in my opinion, is king when it comes to conditioning. If you don't have a lactate threshold, I don't care if your VO2 max is a billion milliliters per kilogram per minute. Um, If my my lactate threshold is higher than yours, I will beat you because I can push harder for longer. So since we just threw a sciencey term in there, just break that down for the listeners. So what does it mean to VO2, go to VO2 max is your how much oxygen you consume in milliliters per your kilogram of body weight. Now that's the relative VO2. Yeah. Actual VO2 is how much oxygen. How much oxygen you can you take in. Um, lactate threshold. So after every muscle contraction, there is a byproduct, and that byproduct is a hydrogen ion. Hydrogen ion is an acid, right? Because it's got a positive charge that hydrogen ion gets shuttled into your liver through something called the Cori cycle. During that Cori cycle, that is now neutralized and it can go back into your Krebs cycle, ready to start at acetyl-CoA and then give you some more ATP. When your liver reaches its level that it can function and it can't process those hydrogen ions fast enough to then be brought back into the Krebs cycle, that's your lactate threshold. So, so what, that what does point, that look like physically? Fatigue. Burn. Um, your legs will swell up, you know, your blood flow. Basically what happens is uh, muscle contraction goes down because it inhibits contraction of muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, if So if you have a very high lactate or lactic acid, quote unquote, what people call it, um, <laughs> I love that you said that. I had a um, physiology teacher that said it is not acid. Acid cannot survive in the body. Don't ever call it lactic it's acid. It's lactate. lactate. Yeah. So lactate in the muscle, it decreases muscle contraction. Mm-hmm. So you can see, like, I, so when I do, so I do a lot of assault bike. Um, I like the assault bike because the harder you push, the harder it gets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a wind resistance. So when I have people on there, 
and we're doing like imams or we're doing intervals, I give them specific guidelines to follow. The first two, like just say like, I'm like, all right, you're going to do 10 calories every minute on the minute. And they're finishing at 12 seconds, 12 seconds, 12 seconds. If I see a 14 in there, it doesn't count. If I start to see a 16, you're done. So you're starting to reach that threshold. So we've, we've hit what we're trying to do. Okay, let's adapt. Now let's adapt. We stressed high enough, let's adapt. You start getting into that 20 range, you've lost the reason why you're on that bike. Your power output is so far down that you've lost the reason you're on that bike. I think we see we see that ton in CrossFit just for the fact that you have a workout like Grace or I won't even use Olympic lifting workouts, but I'll, like Helen, right? Like there's a certain amount of stimulus that we're looking for in this workout, but it took you 20 minutes to do it. Well, you probably didn't scale that workout appropriately. Yeah, no. um, that's, I know. I think what's one thing you're really good at too is is really scaling up, not, not necessarily scaling a workout, but getting your athlete. You, he, uh, Craig also trains my wife. So, and Abby has, she's a closet meathead, like pretty much she's, only wants to lift weights. She's strong. She's strong. She's <laughs> Which, strong. She's he has str- to trick her sometimes. She, she lets yeah. herself be. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, and that's the part of being a great coach, right? Like that's the thing. What's one of the pieces of, of that? But back to, what we're talking about is like that's that adaptation that I don't see enough in CrossFit that I don't see enough probably in weightlifting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, training an athlete that wants to potentially go to the games or right like a mastered athlete. There's so many facets to all this, and I, the, the analogy you said earlier, what we talked about the other day with a baseball player, I think it comes back all the way to that every time almost mm-hmm. because a CrossFit athletes and and we just they just want to play. Right. They, yeah. That's it's they want to play. And that's 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 you know I've been to a couple of CrossFit competitions out here and it's a game. Like people are dressed up in costumes. They got glitter on and I'm like, <laughs> where are you going to CrossFit <laughs> competitions? No, I've seen them. Yeah, <laughs> he's, right, he's right. It, you know, you're just like matching where, outfits. Where, yeah, matching hey. outfits or whatever. Like if it's a team uniform, okay, I get it. But like you, you dressed up to come to do this, like. You're not taking this serious, and it's fun and games. I competed at the you know blah 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 CrossFit competition, and I got a medal. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing. Like when people run marathons, and I'm like, "What's your goal?" And they go, "I just want to finish." Motherfucker, you go walk that thing. But what I think that comes, but you should know side. your mile time, your five mile time, and if you're running a full marathon, you should at least know your 14 or 15 mile time. You can sure. extrapolate out what oh, you yeah. want your full time to be. But going back to, am I a purist? I love the sport of Olympic weightlifting and teaching Olympic weightlifting and coaching the sport and what it goes into it because what most people see is on the main platform. Mm-hmm. What's going on in that back there is, it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a, it's a battle scene. It's head spin. There's I, you know, I, counting of when this person's supposed to go, oh shit, they jumped, or you maybe you're battling with somebody and you see them miss a warm-up as a coach you're like all right fuck we got this guy or something like that i just need my athlete to do whatever but as a purist when i see movements done if you're using it for sports training it needs to be done correctly what is the premise of the snatch and clean trick it's to produce the maximal power output some people say the most difficult thing in baseball or in sports is to hit a 90 mile an hour fastball bullshit snatch double body weight I mean, you have a lot less people that could do that. Gauntlet, throw them down. Just, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. I mean, and you've heard all kinds of platitudes like that. Like, oh, you can throw something, try throwing a human being. 
like that's challenging like somebody's trying to throw you but you throw them mm-hmm. it's just like weightlifting you're trying to move that weight and the weight's trying to get pulled down by 9.8 meters per second squared you have to move that right and it's not going to be just if it's 100 kilos you can't move 101 kilos worth of force you have to apply such velocity to that barbell for it to get over your head at that mm-hmm. point so i think it's what's great though about like the way you coach okay. right is you are super serious you take it very seriously and I, I love that about it. Like, that's one thing that, like, I think it's very easy to, for me to learn from you because I always know when I come into the gym, I always know exactly where you're at, okay? I think that's where, when it comes to Olympic lifting in the CrossFit world, I think that's where they have to go to mm-hmm. to be able to do it because, oh, we're snatching day. People come into the gym. I'm all excited about snatching today. But to get good at snatching, you have to be there. Mm-hmm. That's the, that, it's not, I, I, think, I think in the CrossFit world at least, we have there's too like we were talking about there's too much play and not and not that I, I think that's I don't think that's necessarily bad all the time but if you want to actually get good at snatching you, you have to you it. have to be serious about it yeah well, you I have mean, to be serious about it there's a lot to it sure I mean and CrossFit isn't designed to make you a great snatch no no for sure right yeah athlete. it's yeah it's not on the not on the box level exactly you exactly. know not on the box level right but now. I still feel but if, I, I mean if you're but you should be at least create a certain criterion of expectations as a coach or as a gym owner that says hey i saw somebody in here the other day that was snatching that had no business having that weight on that bar Mm -hmm. they were arm pulling they were doing this and this and this i don't care if it's only you know 85 pounds and they're strong enough to do it that's bullshit don't accept that that's right i won't accept mediocrity neither should you that's right and i don't care what level of athlete you are accepting mediocrity and being okay with something is unacceptable and when it comes to your fitness you shouldn't accept that mediocrity either if you're trying to ascertain some sort of goal whether it's weight loss whatever saying that's all right leads to that's all right all the time and now your level of expectation of yourself goes down and then your self-esteem goes down and now you're back at square one eating hostess ding (laughs) dongs with wrappers sticking out of your pocket going, why am I a fat If that's not the epitome of how you do one thing, it's how you do everything. I don't know what it is. It's true. But when we look at like CrossFit snatches, like the ground to overhead, there's still got to be things that are appropriate. Like I say, arm bend. Like if you're doing the, you know, muscle snatch to slight knee bend, if you're following the guidelines of how it should be, no big deal. Like if you you're not arm bending, you're staying with your position, you know, you're not using your back and trying to create some sort of catapult, no big deal. You know, it could be done that way, but you have to train for that. Having somebody come in who's hardly ever snatched and expect them to do that and do that well for that many reps, that's that's unacceptable. Yeah, and let me clarify what I mean by that as well, because when we say someone has a good snatch or a good clean and jerk or whatever, um, I think a lot of people hear, well, it's heavy. It's right. a heavy lift. That's right. And I think yeah, really, no, that's true. That I think really what it comes down to is it's a pretty lift. Like it's technically sound. It's pretty. It looks it's like good. A nice I was trying to explain. Better, I, actually tell, I actually tell my athletes that. I say, I don't care if you come in last place, but I'll be damned if somebody goes, ill. Yeah. I want them to go, man, that person... Yeah, they came in last, but they they're snatching snatch. their technique. They that was solid, man. That was, was solid. I was doing the same thing with a client the other day, and he he was like, "Well, how do I know when I'm getting better at this?" I go, "You feel it." Well, you'll not only it, it not only will it feel easier, and and uh, you'll hit positions that you didn't hit before, 
but your weight actually might not go up. You might snatch 135 pounds today and tomorrow or a couple months from now, you snatch 135 pounds, but it might just look better. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that when I worked with you, like it was, it was one of those things where at first I didn't really, I didn't see the, uh, I think the gains that I wanted to get, mm-hmm. right? 185 pounds, 195 pounds was like kind of my top limit. Right. And it, but it took those months of hitting those movement patterns over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's a 205. There's a 215. There's, <laughs> right? I remember you just hitting those weights though so much easier and that clicked with you. You'd hit it and be like, whoa. Yeah. Like this was my one rep max. Now I can hit it with ease in a warm up. Like right. I specifically remember working on but, snatch cycles with you here and it just being like a knife through butter oh it, and that, and and that's what i that's where I, when it comes to craig's that's why he's so good at what he does because he got me to understand that as well mm-hmm. and i think the the mental side it's easy it's probably easier for me than a lot of people um when it comes to the mental side just because you know that's basically what i did in the army is like learn new skills perfect them, right um but for a regular human being like what, Craig, what do you think is like, you got the average Joe, right? I, I always I like to ask people this because you got the average Joe. He works eight, eight hours a day. You know, he barely gets, he's a kid, doesn't sleep. Like, what does that movement practice look for you? Like, what's, yeah, for him, what's it, what, like for him? what's it look like for him for you? So, you know, kind of going back to a little bit like, you know, one saying, oh, good snatches, it's heavy, right? There's a lot of times where I'll have to tell people, you don't need to get stronger, you need to get better. Yeah. Get better. You know, like with Carson, he needed to get better, not, not stronger. stronger. So it was frustrating yet for him. He's like sitting at 135 on the regular, but he wasn't better. He wasn't better yet. The movement pattern wasn't ingrained. Now I get a regular Joe Schmo that's like, I want a, I want a recreational weight lift. And um, I saw it on the CrossFit game. <laughs> You know, it looks really fun. Like that person coming in that's kind of like that, it's going to take a lot of work. One, because I got to get them out of the that's all right mentality already. Mm-hmm. Already yeah. they're coming into it kind of shoulder shrugged like, well, what's up? You I kind of want to do this maybe. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily like to train recreational lifters um, <laughs> because I'm very passionate about what I do and I need that passion returned. Um, yeah. But what that really looks like is how come I'm not doing it yet? How come I'm not snatching that weight yet? How come? Well, one, you train an hour a week. You refuse to follow my program to a T. Every single day you're here, you want to go up in weight, which means you're not focused on what we're actually doing during that time. Um, You aren't sleeping enough. You're not eating enough. You're really not giving a shit, to be honest. So you're going to be stuck being you. That's right. I'm sorry. But that's what's going to happen. And I've had athletes come in and um, they're, they're CrossFit and they want, to, they want to go CrossFit and they want to CrossFit. And we're taking our time going through the skills and, or whatever. And they're like, I can do this already. And my best is this much weight. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't do this appropriately. You can't do it well. Or it, actually, one of the biggest things is kipping pull-ups. I don't let people kip unless they can do a certain strict. amount of strict. How many? Uh, I at least start with 10. Okay. You know, 10 strict pull-ups. That way you at least have the regular mechanics down. I think kipping is actually a skill that is learned off of the pull-up. The pull-up should be first and then kipping. And then what follows that is then the butterfly, mm-hmm. you know, and then whatever flying squirrel pull-up or whatever you want to do. Well, but I mean, it's it, that we go back to that average Joe, I think 
right? Like you teach them how to do straight pull-ups. There, that is going to be a much better skill for them to ever learn than Thank butterfly you. or kipping yeah. in, a, in a real world scenario, right? Yeah. Like, well, not only that, it's going to give them the base that they need to build on. So if they want to do the gymnastics piece, the kipping, the butterfly, it's available think, to them yeah. on, on stronger joints and. Well, but I think that's just the thing. Right? We, we always want to skip ahead. We always want to... Well, yeah. They want to get bigger, better, faster, stronger because that's what they see on TV and right. in magazines and all over Instagram and Facebook. It's like, well, you can't do something correct with a PVC pipe. Now you want to throw 135 pounds over your fucking and that's head? Why like, I wanted no. To, that's why I wanted Curry to come on talking because I feel like he is a great, like, when it comes to the baseline stuff, like, people have to do fundamentally think the right things, correct. you have to do these things correctly, right? You have to be able to do this before I can get you to a bigger pyramid, right? We have to build, build a big base from you. A big base. <laughs> big base. we got to build a big base. And, I always use the analogy of musical instruments, and most people, what instrument do they want to play? The drums, the drums or the guitar. Or the guitar. guitar. The first thing we want to do is they download tabs for, you know, right. kill them all from Metallica, and they're like, I'm going to learn this. When... And they might eventually learn how to play Kill em All, but it may not have the speed. It may not have, you know, the right amount of time on the chord or whatever. I don't yep. play the guitar. I'm just making this shit up as I go. <laughs> but realistically, if you want to play the guitar, you should never pick up the guitar at first. You should learn what the music is. You should learn what the chords are. You should learn what what's mm-hmm. musical right. sign or whatever or whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Then you grab the guitar and you. Learn how an understanding to of what do it your fingers is. on the fretboard, how sure. to move them up and down, how to how to just move up and down the fretboard, how to change, you know, from the chord to chord to chord, which finger how to do that, you know, I'm trying to avoid using the word fingering, but how <laughs> you know, nice going snatch. through and nice and learning how to finger on the board and then you learn how to strum. You know, you learn how That's to strum right. with the pick. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, whatever. You know, and then you can start doing one, two, two, one, one, two, two, one, two, one, one, two, three, whatever it is. Right. Now you can kind of do that proficiently. Then now we can start looking at putting together a song. But most people go, I'm going to learn how to play a good guitar. I'm going to go down to Guitar Center, if those even still exist. And I'm going to get a guitar. And buy one. And, and I'm going to buy one. I'm going to come home and I'm going to download, you know, these three tabs. And I'm going to learn how to play the cool guy at the party song and then I'm going to learn how to play the metal song Save tonight. and do, do, do. I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. Well, you're never, you never actually learned how to play the, the guitar. You learned how to play You learned how to play that song. That one song. So learning how to snatch and clean and jerk, it's much more than learning how to get the bar from the ground to then over your head in a squat position. So as a coach, I like to go through all that. I tell a lot of people when they come in, I'm like, I'm a teaching coach. I'm going to try to teach you not only how to lift, but some of the methods, some of the reasoning. So that way, if I'm ever gone, you can still go train. You know That's the right. why. You can still go do it's something. the why, right? Yeah. You know, like I want you to be self-sufficient. It yeah. makes my life easier. I could just hand you a program and you can go to freaking town. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to babysit you. Hey, man, your shoe's still fucking untied. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Wipe your goddamn nose. Pull your pants up. You know, <laughs> I want my athletes to be self-sufficient and then I could just be there being a big ogre just fucking going more more feed me feed me feed me and just be gluttonous for gains sure sure gluttonous for gains but we have to get them through that point Mm -hmm. to where they can self-monitor some of the things like uh, as a coach i still need to be there and be able to see the things that they can't but they should be able to proprioceptively feel Mm -hmm. 
what went wrong. Proprioception is knowing where your body is at in time and space without having to look at your feet when you walk or look at your hands when you we reach just, it out. We don't, right? Like we don't. People don't know where. Oh, you're doing Jefferson, Jefferson curls the other day. People don't know where their spine is at all. Have some and, then, close and their how eyes. can we cue them when they don't know where their spine is? Right? Like blows my brain up. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've gone on about five different directions. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) In this podcast, we're definitely going to have to have you come back, man. Totally. We've got so much great stuff to offer. Thank you. And I definitely want to put it on blast. I I disagree completely. (laughs) Well, you don't matter at this point, because now I know him. It's out in the open. It's recorded. I know, right? I think we need to go to 5150 and get a little insane. Yeah, maybe. So we we actually have a snatch clinic this Saturday. Um, Yeah, talk it up, man. You can find us on touch with you. Right now, you can Instagram. find us on Facebook, 5150, spelled out, F-I-F-T-Y, okay. dash O-N-E, 50, F-I-F-T-Y, sports performance. Um, also on Instagram, 5150, sports performance, all spelled out. Um, and the contact information is there. You can reach out and come to one of the clinics. You can set up your first appointment to come out and you know learn. I always feel like you're going to need more than one time. Like yeah. With these clinics, I'm not looking to improve you greatly. I'm looking to give you tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically all you can ever expect from any sort of clinic or seminar is tools. Right. It's what you do with the tools that then will take you. And so that's what I want to try to do is try to arm you with the best tools that I can. 100%. So if there's one thing that you would want to leave someone with who wants to come and work out with you, what is it? Uh be ready for the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, awesome, like man. It. Thanks so much for coming out today, brother. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to have you back. We're going to close it out today, guys. That's it for Hardwater Radio today. I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye. On behalf of Carson, Mary, and Craig, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace Take care, out. guys. Bye.